Welcome to The Short Game. This is a show where we discuss short video games, the kind of thing you can complete in an evening or a weekend on your computer, your console, your iPad, whatever. Uh, we just look at games that take a short amount of time to show you something really interesting. And this week, we are talking about Contrast, uh, a launch game for the PlayStation 4. It's also available on a ton of other platforms. I'm joined by my two awesome co-hosts, Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? I'm doing great. And Nate Heininger. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. Uh, currently trapped in a shadow, stuck against the wall, holding a big box that I just can't get in the right spot. Uh, been stuck there all day. So, How's your physics, you. Nate? My physics? The collisions um, and so on. Confusing. A um, little clunky, but pretty good. Nice. <laughs> well, um, sometimes you stand in air. Sometimes you fall into a bottomless pit. That's just Mondays. Yeah. 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 Um, so we're talking this week about... Contrast, which is an indie game by Compulsion Games. This is their first game. It's a very small studio. They're like seven people, really tiny, uh, tiny developer. I think this game kind of caught a lot of flack early on when it first came out. And, you know, some of it very well deserved. But this game, uh, this is a launch game for the PlayStation 4. And actually, it launched as one of the free games for PlayStation Plus. So, like, this is a game that if you bought a PS4 on launch get day, you got this game for free. And I think a lot of people tried it out or maybe didn't um but it's also available on the playstation 3 the xbox 360 i think the xbox one and it's also on steam for windows i don't know about other not for mac not for mac not for too mac. bad okay mm-hmm. um it's a sort of a puzzle platformer with some really interesting unique mechanics and a really uh really distinctive interesting art style. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a unique art style because it's taking a lot of in- influence from other similar looking games. Yeah, well, Reagan, it's your uh it's your classic real basic cabaret shadow platformer. Exactly. You know that that <laughs> age old uh genre that we've seen time and time again. But yeah, I thought the the art style was probably at least the the stylization of the game was probably the most successful. There, there are two things that I really, really liked about this game, and one of them was the stylization of the game. I mm-hmm. thought it was a really complete package. Yeah, it's a sort of a dark fantasy version of the 1920s. It's kind of a, a very metropolitan cabaret you know, kind of look. And there's a quote that the developers use absolutely everywhere. And I don't know where it's from, presumably some critic or something, because they always put it in quotation marks. It's as if Limbo and Bioshock Infinite had a baby while watching Pan's Labyrinth. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, I would also throw in, um, and the game makers were playing a lot of A Link Between Worlds. Maybe. At at the same time. That's funny. When I was watching it, I thought of, you know, The Night Circus, that book. It's like a Victorian steampunk circus aesthetic and one of the main characters is an, as an acrobat um, you know it's not burlesque but it is um, that circus you know straight tights cabaret look um, I don't know the aesthetic was um, it was funny when the more when they tried to do noir it was almost odd to me because a lot of the hints were Victorian you know gears yeah. and steampunk um, there's a lot of different mashups and a lot of good texture to the world it's a little odd. This game feels like it wanted to be open world. Um, and I think there's a lot of decorations and art style in the world that um, make it feel like you should be able to run anywhere. You can't, but... Yeah, it, it feels a little incomplete in, in places. It, it is definitely 
a game that I think is worth playing. And it's really only about three hours, maybe four at the very most. Um, and so I, I definitely think it's worth your time because it has a couple of really cool mechanics and it, it almost succeeds at telling a really great story. I'm probably going to have a lot of things to say about the game that maybe a little on the negative side. Um, that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it. I feel like this is a really, really great bunch of little pieces of a game that got rushed out the door too soon. It's just a little bit half-baked. And I suspect that's because they were rushing to make that, uh, you know, PlayStation 4 launch game deadline. Uh, or maybe they just ran out of money. I don't really know. But I, I feel like this game has a lot going for it, and it's worth experiencing, even though it feels a little half-baked. There were multiple times in this game with the way they use the shadows um, where I was kind of had those like wow moments like wow this is this is really cool this is really fun this is really inventive uh, and it was all when you were actually solving the puzzles there was a lot of stuff in between that got me stuck or got caught up or fell into a random pit or like it, it was it's the kind of same thing like the Unreal Engine where it can be beautiful but it can also be clunky because of like invisible walls and, and the boundaries that they have to make. Yeah, and I was really enticed by the mechanic. In the central mechanic, we've said shadow platformer, we've said Link Between Worlds. Um, the idea is that you um, can move in both 3D and 2D space. You can merge with a wall and jump through shadows. Um, I loved that concept. I feel like the tutorial and some of the a lot of the mechanics and a lot of the kind of buggy nature lets it down and I wanted the mechanic to become central I think the art style is definitely central um, so I'm probably a little more mixed than Reagan is I think it's a really interesting idea and if you think the idea is interesting you should try it but I don't know the tutorial is very didactic it holds your hand a lot mm -hmm. It's not a challenging platformer at all. The, the later levels are much more interesting. So if you're interested in this and you try the demo, I would keep going um, past the first phase because it's so easy. You're not going to get the depth of the mechanic that is in the game. It's not super deep, but there's a lot more after the first 45 minutes. Yeah, the game's very concerned with telling its story. Um, and its story that it has to tell is... Uh, is a pretty okay one. The main character is Dee Dee, and we're not actually playing as Dee Dee. Dee Dee is a young girl in 1920s uh, America, I think. That's also a floating island. Yeah, that's also apparently... <laughs> well, we're seeing the, the game mostly through the eyes of her presumably imaginary friend, uh, Dawn. Dawn is a you know six-foot-tall, cabaret singer-looking acrobat in striped clothing, you know, very, uh, very limber and jumpy looking. And um, uh, only Dee Dee can see Dawn. And apparently Dawn can only see Dee Dee. So we're living in the world of this city in the 1920s, but it's entirely empty apart from these two characters. And when we do see other characters, we're only seeing their shadows. We're only seeing uh, Dee Dee talk to her father or her mother or other characters, uh, while Dee Dee is in the scene and everyone else is represented only by shadows. Yeah, except for like one time when, unless I'm mistaken, it didn't, there seemed like to be a couple times when the real world was asking Dee Dee for help too. Uh, um, or Dawn. Or Dawn? Yeah. Just 
a couple uh, that are probably something we should hold off on for spoiler yeah. reasons. Um, <laughs> but I was a little confused about how this world works. Well, I, I think if you really pay attention to... Uh, that's another thing that I think kind of hints that this game maybe feels a little incomplete and maybe rushed out the door uh, half-baked, is that there's, there's a lot of story in this game that is implied only through the collectibles. So if you take the time to pick up every newspaper and read every scrap of paper and other piece of you know text that you can find in the game, there's a story that explains who Dee Dee, or excuse me, who Dawn is um, and why she's there uh, in a way that is you know interesting. And there's a lot going on that we don't see through the child Dee Dee's eyes. But if you take the time to look at all these other things, you kind of pick up on this story, even though that story feels still a little bit half-baked. There, there's more to it going on there. I think a full storyline, all the collectibles, and the full arc of the game was planned first. And then the games were, you know, the levels between were truncated. And I, I think early on, uh, Nate mentioned that it feels like there's a million cutscenes, And I think that's just because they might have planned a more robust game and then had to shrink the sections between. So where you might just walk down a hallway and get the next cutscene, there might have been a puzzle in some iteration of this game. Yeah. And there were some really nice sort of mixtures of cutscene and puzzle. Um, they had this really clever thing that they did maybe only four or five times throughout the game that I wanted a whole lot more of, where there was a a puzzle where you needed to get to a particular place by using the shadow mechanic. Um, but in order to get there, you had to play back a sort of cutscene wherein the characters were projected in shadow along the wall talking to each other. And the movements of those characters sort of became your platform to get to a collectible or, you know, whatever it was you were trying to get to. I loved that because it kind of merged those story beats with the puzzle platforming mechanic, but they only did it like four times, which was a bit of a bummer. Yeah, there was that really satisfying one early on where you're, it's basically the entire screen is two huge silhouettes of two of the main characters talking, and they have a set pattern, and you have to like jump on her leg as she turns to the left, which perfectly lines up with him like kind of pointing at her, and you jump onto his finger, and it, it was super satisfying. And, and yeah, that was those were the best parts of the games, where it was just like a flat screen, and I'm doing shadow platforming. Probably the most robust section of the game, um, there's a circus, and you have different tasks to perform. And one of them is just, you know, a puppet shadow play that you're playing one of the characters. And it's incredibly satisfying to, um, you know, for 10 minutes, you're playing Limbo. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do the jumping in and out of walls mechanic, which is cool, but when you have to do it in a precise way, it's really hard and sometimes a lot of frustration results. Story-wise, the game, I kind of see it as part of this, I don't want to call it a movement in games, but a kind of a theme that's been really constant over the last few years that I'm starting to become a little cynical about. Um, although I, I do still see it sort of as a net positive. Uh, and that's what, uh, actually, the last time Gary Butterfield was on the show, um, no, it was the time before last, he uh, he used the phrase, the daddening of video games, which actually, he didn't originate. I, I found out later when Googling it that uh, there's an article from back in 2010 over at Kotaku on this. Um, is that sort of in the last decade or so of video games, we've seen a lot of games that, have the played on 
uh, themes of sort of fatherhood or taking care of children. And while this game isn't directly part of that, because we're not playing as Dee Dee's father, her relationship with her father and mother is a big part of the game. And we are sort of playing as Dee Dee's protector. And, um, you know, that that really works on me. I think I'm getting to that age where, you know, I'm, I'm turning 30 this year, guys. Uh, I am... Uh, I am vulnerable. Everyone knows at that point you become a dad. Uh, you do, you do. Yeah, it's it's just automatic. You can't do anything. It's well, just, that's your own personal dad. A child will just spring forth. <laughs> oh God, oh God. I, I am I am at this point where I am emotionally vulnerable to dad attacks. You know, mm-hmm. like um, I play a Bioshock game and I want to take care of Elizabeth or the little sisters. I play The Walking Dead and I want to take care of Clementine. I want to take care of Ellie in The Last of Us. I even kind of teared up at certain parts of Octodad. I mean, literally, this stuff works on me probably too well. And Wait, you teared up during Octodad? But he's such a loving father. He's a great... Well, he's just a normal dad, though. Exactly. I suppose I'm dead inside, because I kept being like, oh, this little girl keeps asking me to do stuff for her. I wish I could just leave her behind. Um, she's like, Midna... <laughs> She just wants me to help her all the time. And I really would like to just go on. I think my when I got most impatient with a small child, um, you know, clearly I'm not a mother. Please don't write in. Um, is that a small child was asking me to follow her and then she would go very slowly and I ran faster than her. And I was like, mm. God, I have to very slowly walk behind this child. So um, maybe it's because I'm not a father. <laughs> I couldn't relate to this game as much as Reagan could. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's a little emotionally manipulative, um, and this game doesn't do it very well. Um, but it does use that. It pushes the same button that those other games do. And so if that button works for you, then this game's story might as well. You know, it's it's sort of a redemption of this girl's father, and her relationship with her father goes from, you know, he's this absentee dad who seems really shitty on a on a basic level um towards the end of the game he's maybe a little bit redeemed and her relationship with his him is improved and you know things are looking hopeful by the end of the game and um i don't know it 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 poked a button that that continues to work on me even if i wish that it didn't yeah aesthetically and thematically i kept thinking of the musical carousel um there's a giant carousel in this game yeah yeah (laughs) that couldn't help um i mean it's Carousel is basically Deadbeat Dad the musical. Huh. And I think this in some ways was Deadbeat Dad the video game where you have to keep, you know, the dad is redeeming himself, but he needs a lot of help. See, so we already talked about sort of this contrast mechanic, the mechanic where you are leaping into the wall and becoming a shadow, and suddenly you're able to walk along the wall. And if we didn't already say it, sort of the key part of that is that in many of the scenes, you can manipulate the lighting or the objects that are casting those shadows by moving light sources, moving boxes and other things around. And by doing that, you're creating platforms for yourself and um, and allowing yourself to then you know jump into the wall and do something interesting. And that's really a cool mechanic when it's working. Um, the biggest problem for me was that the 3D platforming is absolutely, so that's a 2D platforming and that actually works pretty well. The, the physics in the 2D platforming feel pretty good. But when you extend that into the 3D platforming segments, it's really tricky. Um, it's finicky. Yeah. It, you, it, you have to do it perfectly. Yeah. Which, that that in itself isn't um, 
necessarily bad. I'm all for a game that requires good execution. I mean, most platformers kind of require that. But this felt like it punished you um, unnecessarily sometimes. I mean, she's very springy and very fast, and it requires a very tight jump sometimes, or like just barely nicking a like a light part or a non-lit part when you're a shadow pops you out of the wall, sometimes all the way down to the bottom. You have to like run all the way back up to the top to start the entire thing over. The, the weight of the character is really off. Like she's very light. And I guess that kind of makes sense, given given her sort of wispy, um, uh, acrobatic look. But she's so light that it feels almost like you're not really controlling her. There's no weight to the character, um, and it, it doesn't feel solid. It feels very difficult to, you know, get her to go where you want. And when you do, it's also very easy to just accidentally brush the controls and have her jump off of a platform or something. Yeah, I think a few times I was unsure if... I was failing to, if my solve was incorrect, or if I was only having trouble with controls. And I think often in, um, you know, I I kept thinking of Psychonauts, because I had a lot of difficult uh, times with the controls when I was playing Psychonauts. Mm. And in that game, um, the superb imagination and level design kept me going much, much further than I would have put up with it in other games. Mm -hmm. Um, Here, the mechanic was really interesting. you know, there's a lot of the punishment of, you know, in many platformers, you know, if you have the right idea and you're trying to get the execution here, the execution was so iffy that I questioned if I had the idea correct. Well, that makes a game entirely unsatisfying when you are struggling on many levels. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, I, I never really felt like I didn't, um, know the solution to a puzzle. Um, and I often felt like I knew exactly what I needed to execute. Um, and then when I couldn't, it didn't feel like it was my failing. It felt like a controls issue and eh, maybe it was me, but the controls were really tricky to, it, it was tricky to get right. Particularly those moments when you were transitioning from inside the wall to out, there were a lot of moments when, uh, and when it worked, it was pretty cool. But uh, when you'd have to uh, jump from one wall to another, for example, and um, pass through an area where you'd have to quickly toggle from, you know, shadow mode to 3D mode and then back to being a shadow again. And those moments of transition were so finicky. You had to be in such exactly the right spot in order for it to work uh, that um, it, it added a lot of frustration where I didn't think it was really intended. There was there was one really early on in the game that I thought that maybe my controller... Because I, I was kind of playing a weird setup on this. I was playing um, with my DS4, my DualShock 4, on Windows through Parallels on <laughs> my computer. But I do that for all the Windows games we played. I did that for uh, Brothers, uh, you know, A Tale of Two Sons, um, A Tale of Redundant Titles. Uh, hmm. And that game is more graphically intense than this game and I never had any problems and that game is hardcore about button precision um, and there's this a thing early on in this game it's cool looking it's a cabaret sign and you morph into the wall and the girl follows you with a spotlight as you run across the cabaret sign jump across and then morph back into the other side I seriously I don't know what it was I could not do this jump I Died about six times myself. It's not just you. And every time you fall, it would warp you back all the way around to the other side of the island. And I had to run around this like 
building and go through it again and start it over. Hmm. I like one time I got it and I pop I popped in and I popped out like because I had double clicked the trigger and it's like that's the only time it had shown extreme accuracy was of course the one time <laughs> that I hit the button twice. It took me so long. It seriously took me ten or fifteen tries and I was like lining it up and knowing that I pressed the button and finally I was just ran my head enough into it or ran my head into it enough times that I eventually got it and I was certain that there was something that I was doing wrong, but as I played the game a little bit more, it's just like, no, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's that finicky. Yeah, I'm still not sure. I, I believe I correctly solved a puzzle at the end, but I'm not sure if I just took advantage of a glitch. Hmm. I thought that was the correct way to solve the puzzle. Which one but, was that? Um, at the um, at the lighthouse, uh, there is a puzzle of getting a uh, box. Um, from one floor to the next. Um, and the method I had involved some odd jumping, getting a box in place and killing myself and warping <laughs> to the right spot. And it worked perfectly, but I'm, I, I still am not sure if that is the canonical solve. And I feel like that's a, there's a lot of places where, that's what I said when I wasn't sure if I was doing the correct solve because um, it was hard to tell what was a cool mechanic I'd stumbled upon um, and what was a... a developer glitch mm -hmm. that I was taking advantage of. And, and they're impossible to, you know, to tell the difference between the two. Yeah. yeah. And most of the bugs I encountered were of that sort, which were things things where, you know, it really didn't make a huge amount of difference either way. And if anything, it let you progress in an interestingly, you know, in a way that maybe wasn't planned for, something like that. Um, but there there were a couple of game breaking, like serious bugs. And um, uh, there's one in particular that and I, I again I think this game is fun, and I think this game is worth playing. It's pretty, and there's a you know pretty good story, and it's totally worth your time. But uh, we're shitting on it a little bit more than our average because this game um, sort of sits on a border where it, you know it, this game got a lot of 4.5 out of 10 type reviews. Uh, I, I think that that's a little unfair, but it's justified. And the biggest frustration I had with the game was very near the end. There's a bug that apparently was a well-known bug that recently got patched. And I'm talking about very recently. This game came out in 2013, and there was a patch for it sometime in the last several weeks, like um, not, not long ago. And the patch notes said, we fixed the problem with locking on the spotlight at the top of the lighthouse. And I thought, okay, good, that's fixed, right? And then I go up to the top of the lighthouse, and I wasn't able to lock on the spotlight. Well, it turns out that if you install the game and uh, and then you start up a new game and then install that patch, which is what happened for me, um, that patch doesn't really have an effect. So I got to the top of the lighthouse and I wasn't able to lock on the spotlight, which is a trigger for the end of the game. Like, it's it, you cannot progress. And The uh, end of the game is... There's five minutes left of the game at that right. point. Yeah, exactly. And so I wasn't able to progress any further. And so I had to, you know, start over and start over from the bottom of the lighthouse, which is a fairly long level, maybe about half an hour, and uh, work my way back up to the top. And it still didn't work the second time. So I tweeted at the developers and they suggested uninstalling and reinstalling the game, which I then did. And it worked on my third try. But that was a pretty unforgivably break, uh, you know, game breaking bug. Uh, in a game that's been out for well over a year um, and only recently got patched. And, um, you know, looking at forums and things, I don't think I was alone having this issue. Apparently it has to do with if, well, I don't know. Anyway, 
not to give them too much of a hard time about it. Now, apparently it's fixed. If you were installing the game today, I don't think you'd probably see that. But because I installed it just before they patched that issue, even though I got the patch because I started before that, I don't know. It it, it didn't work. And uh, it was a very frustrating issue until I did a lot of Googling. For a game that is so short, it's, uh, it's pretty unforgivable to have such a game-breaking bug like that that crops up, you know, months and months after the game's release. And Nate, you ran into a problem too, right? Well, and this is where I, this might just be on me personally, but the game was crashing a lot. And now again, I kind of already explained my setup, like as, but my computer is good and I run this all the time. I played Skyrim on like mass settings and I know that game came out in 2011, but still it was pretty intense. Played uh, Brothers, Mac settings. I've played most games on Mac settings. This game was glitchy, like frame rate dropping and and lagged for me and literally crashed multiple multiple times and i had to start back over i did the tortuga's revenge like five times um and that might have just been on me i don't know maybe my computer is being strange but uh that doesn't usually happen um so that was a little frustrating yeah and i should say i was playing on the playstation 4 so like this is you know there's no configuration related to my setup mm-hmm. this was just why well, game as intended. dropped it down to like low settings and everything. And I still had some, had some issues. Um, but yeah, I do want to reiterate too. Like I, while we were playing this game, we have our group chat and I, I know I said multiple times throughout it. Like I, there are some extremely satisfying parts of this game to me, at least when it's working, when the shadow mechanic is working, it was a lot of fun. I love line. Like there's a part where you have like silhouettes or, um, cut like cardboard cutouts and you need to like line them up perfectly to do like, a perfect jump from shadows to real world. I thought that was really cool. Um, the puppet show thing you were talking about was a ton of fun. It's a great proof of concept, and it's uh, it's got a lot of moments that I think are really worth it. And because the game is so short, it's only about three hours, if you're interested in seeing the kind of work that this really interesting indie dev is doing, um, I would I would check these guys out. And they have another game coming out really soon that I think also looks really promising. And I think we've talked about it a little bit on a previous episode as well, right? Um, what's it called again? We Happy View is set in an alternate London where uh, the city did something horrible in World War II and everyone has decided to take pills to forget about it. And you have decided you're not going to take pills and people are going to beat you down for that decision. Um, so it's a survivalist game. Um, you're running around and you can take these joy pills, but they will overdose and leave you hungry and starving and you know so it's kind of a uh, procedurally generated um, survival game so it's more for a hardcore audience I think but uh, there's yeah it's got a really great design it has yeah it it reminds me a great deal of um, elements of Bioshock and uh, it's got this very cool 60s aesthetic um I think it looks really promising and interesting. And I think that because I think it's it's more it's a first person perspective and I think it's a little more conventional in terms of controls, I think it's gonna be something that's gonna be a little easier to um easier to nail. The really inventive uh shadow jumping mechanics here are what really made this game interesting, but it, they're also partly what made this game um so vulnerable to 
the kind of issues that we've been complaining about here. I think that We Happy Few looks like it's going to take a lot of the cool ideas that this developer or this group of developers uh, have and maybe show them off in a more interesting, in, in, a, in a more achievable kind of way. Yeah, the nice thing about a survival horror game is you're crafting your own narrative and you can stumble upon world-building pieces, which this game has many of it. But the pressure to... Uh, achieve a linear storyline isn't as great. So I'm really looking forward to it because I think they've got world building down pat. The collectibles hinted at a a much larger story, but when they had to show it in the cutscenes, when they had to show it more explicitly, I feel like it. that's when I felt less immersed. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited and we happy few because it's all environmental exploration. And they got that in this game. So Yeah, I like... While this game has its has its issues, I definitely am intrigued by the developers and what they um, could do in the future. And We Happy Few looks great. I'm looking at it right now. Um, they also got it uh, backed really quickly. Um, so there must be enough people who enjoyed Contrast to uh, jump in on their Kickstarter for We Happy Few. Yeah, people are already cosplaying this. <laughs> well, that doesn't take much. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So you guys have any uh, final thoughts on contrast? Yes, I think that it's worth playing. Um, there are <laughs> don't sound too enthusiastic there, Nate. <laughs> yes, I think it's fantastic. I think it's worth playing. Um, I do think it's I think it's good. I think that I, I love to see people trying stuff uh, like this, playing around with the engine, playing around with worlds. Um, it's obviously clunky. I think it's missing a coat of polish um, that would have really tied everything together. Um, it's 15 bucks. I know it goes on sale uh, often. I would look for it on sale. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, that's I, I, a little I, harsh. I actually think this game. I, I think this game has a lot to offer if you're if you know what you're looking for. Like this is a very short, very uh, inventive, slightly less than perfect game. Yeah, and, the only uh, reason I say on sales because 15 is actually on the higher end of most of the games that we do, right? Mm-hmm. And I, if I just you're, I just hate putting like talking about price tags like that. That's fair. I, I know it. Yeah, like, that's really fair. On some level, I totally agree with you. On another level, I think there's more than 15 dollars worth of hard work and good ideas in this game. And I yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, I paid 15 bucks for this game on the PS4, and I I didn't get it as part of the PS, PlayStation Plus thing. I wasn't a member of it at the time. But I totally think that it was worth my money and my time. Um, the fact that it has flaws doesn't mean that it's not worth that worth that experience. But you know, it is hard to justify when you look at. There are a lot of really amazing indie devs putting out amazing work at this incredibly tiny price point. You know, fifteen twenty bucks a game. So. It, it it's uh, yeah. It feels dirty to say, but yeah, I get what you're saying, Nate. Yeah, it's the it's the wait for DVD 
type of recommendation sure. rather than rush out and see it the same weekend, um, the movie equivalent. And um, I That's hate to all say we that do. <laughs> I, I hate to say that I'm a little more hesitant just because the tutorial and the first couple levels are just not that captivating. I think if I wasn't playing for the game, the first 30 minutes, 45 minutes is very heavy on the cutscenes. There's not a lot of inventiveness. If you can get through that, the circus level has three incredible, yeah, uh, three incredible levels, and then there's a really good uh, payoff later on where there's a couple another, you know, really inventive uh, room shadow puzzles where there's a lot of movement. But I think um, early on, um, you just have to know that there's going to be a lot of tiny micro puzzles where the game is rewarding you for not a lot of effort, mm-hmm. and, and that tends to rub me the wrong way. I like. I really like a polished tutorial. I'll put up with a bad middle chapter, but I want the intro to be really stellar. Yeah. So I'm more hesitant just because, you know, if you're picking this up, expecting a great introduction to this world, you know, I don't want to disappoint you. And I think that the the intro was disappointing, but then after that, they when better. they had the mechanics built, the game got a lot better. Yeah, the second act, the second act, which is the circus thing, from, it's super strong. Yeah, from start to finish, it was fun. Uh, there was a few parts that I had, like that was the least amount of time that I was like, ugh, and it was more like, ooh, how does this work? And that's really what I'm looking for in a game like this. Yeah, there's a lot of great discovery, um, and I did enjoy that. I just, again, I wish that the introduction was stronger because if your first 10 minutes aren't satisfying, it's hard to keep going. In this mm-hmm. one, I would say keep going. So apart from playing Contrast, um, what have you been up to this week, Laura? I played a bunch of uh, Monaco, What's Yours is Mine, uh, with oh, a friend. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought he was coming to my house to play on my network, but he actually just called me on Skype. and was like, hey, I don't want to put pants on. Can we play Monaco? I was like, okay. He lives three blocks away. <laughs> I, like, I haven't I- gotten a chance to play that. Um, I, I, I bought it in some kind of a Steam sale at some point. And then I tried to play it single player, and I didn't find it very Don't play engaging. single player. We played um, over Steam with uh, Steam Voice Chat, and mm-hmm. um, really enjoyable because um, there are moments where one of you playing will get impatient and just start running around, which and then set off an alarm in a stealth game, and the panic that ensues is so satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never a, heard of this game. Really? So it, it's yeah, like a I'm pixel looking. heavy, yeah. it's a pixel art um, stealth game. Where you play different levels. Um, it's heists, right? It, it's heists. So you you have different. There's actually a little storyline. So you go through different places, like some rich guy's house, and you know a prison and a yacht, and then things are on fire. And there's a little storyline that goes throughout. But you're doing heists, and you get different powers. So it's really good to play. Um, uh, you can do private lobbies in Steam. Invite your friends. It's exceptionally fun to have like one be a locksmith. Someone else can just be a heavy that knocks people out. You know, someone else can hack things. I'm going to have um, to ha- have you show me how to play this a little later because I, uh, I like I said, I tried it out about and for the show. haven't had a chance to. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it now. This looks awesome. Yeah. Is it on, does it happen to be on PS4? Do you guys know? Or no, is it I, only? Actually, no, I don't know. Um, I, I bought it on Steam on some sort of a sale a while I ago. I favor Steam so you can play it with me. Yes. Um, well, Laura, just come on, you know. I mean. Catch up. <laughs> I'm not allowed to buy a PS4. My relationship will not survive another console. (laughs) 
Uh, well, I can I can attest to that. Um, my relationship this week has barely survived the advent of Rocket League, um, which came out this week on uh, on the PlayStation Four and on Steam, um, and uh, it's uh, it was a free PlayStation Four game for PlayStation Plus subscribers. So I probably wouldn't have bought this game, uh, but because it was free, I decided to give it a go. Of course, and actually, it's incredibly addictive um i haven't i don't really play sports games and i don't really play driving games but this is a game where you're driving a car that plays soccer with rockets on it and it's um what it's a it's an it's an online focused sort of multiplayer um game where you're in a sort of a giant domed soccer arena in a rocket powered car it's actually the sequel to a similar game from 2008 called um uh supersonic acrobatic rocket powered battle cars <laughs> that is a fantastic name isn't that the most fantastic title <laughs> yeah. and yes. um i think that they they changed the name for the sequel to make it more googleable but honestly i think <laughs> i would have preferred supersonic acrobatic rocket powered battle cars 2 over rocket league but um it's great it's incredibly polished they've been having some server issues since the release because it's just been incredibly um like mobbed with people yeah everyone's uh, loving it yeah I, it's so fun and it's like i've played other sports games a little bit and so many of them are just like hit x to shoot or you know you're controlling things but it doesn't really feel like you're pulling off something amazing but this is very physics based and so when you hit the ball with your car at just the right angle. And did I mention your car can jump and has rockets on it? So you can leap your car into the air with rockets. And, and it can turn on a dime. Oh, it, yeah. Like, Excellent. It jumps and you can spin. And when you land, you're immediately facing that way and can go that way. Yeah. So it's it's incredibly, like, it, it's incredibly action-y. And um, it's, uh, the online play works pretty darn well, uh, apart from some server issues that haven't really affected me where I've been playing. Um, so I, I really, really recommend it. And uh, if you have a PlayStation 4, you should already probably have PS Plus, and uh, in that case, you probably already have it. And uh, One more thing to say about it, though, actually, is that I don't really watch games on Twitch, but this game, I decided, uh, I saw some tweets from the developer saying that there was an eSports competition of this game going on on Twitch. And so I decided to tune in and watching people who are really good at the game play this game is absolutely amazing. And I actually found myself glued to Twitch watching the finals for this esports competition of, of Rocket League for hours. I mean, it was incredibly engaging. These guys are absolutely amazing. The, these like high level players who've been playing it since the first game and, you know, played that game for years are absolutely amazing it's um it's a game that you know if even if you don't like sports games or driving games you should give the game a try it's really fun uh on a similar note um towerfall is 60 percent off right now for oh, ps4 yeah. Get so it. if you if you haven't played that game uh probably one of my favorite games of all time at this point i've played more towerfall than like anything else on my ps4 mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, Rocket League is fun. I, I I actually do generally like some sports games, um, but it's it's almost more it's more engaging than most sports games. There, there's like no downtime. It just clock starts and there you go. Uh, try to hit a giant ball, which explodes when it goes into the goal, which is always a nice touch. Excellent. Blows a big air horn and your car literally flies off in the opposite direction. <laughs> <of the game>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, and you can get hats, which I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, you can put yeah. hats on your car. So my car has a fez. And, yeah. Of course. Um, it's great. And uh, and you, you have, there's all sorts of different cosmetic items. But actually, I think one thing that I think is really smart about the game is all of the upgrades to your car are entirely cosmetic. You unlock hundreds of items, but everybody is on a very level playing field when it comes to the actual cars. Yeah, a lot of good decisions. It's simple. It's yeah. great. Very simple, very fun. And so uh, what are we doing next week, guys? Attack of the Friday Monsters. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm kind of excited about this. Um, I, I have bought this game on my 3DS ages ago and never got around to playing it. And uh, and Sam Barlow, uh, in our interview last week, mentioned it. And I, I uh, kind of bumped it up to the top of our list because I had forgotten about its existence. I am looking forward to exploring a Japanese childhood. I've been interested in playing this game for a while because it's this sort of Japanese childhood simulator with a magical realism bent. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's a really interesting aesthetic for a game. It's also just a, a kind of a, a weird experience. It's a 3DS game. It's downloadable only. And uh, it's very short uh, at maybe two to four hours, I think. And... Um, I'm really looking forward to checking it out, and I, uh, I've i heard had it on good authority from Sam Barlow that it's a really exceptional game. You name dropper, you. Yep. Hey, friend of the show. Yes, friend of the show, Sam Barlow. <laughs> if you didn't hear my interview with him last week, you should check out our episode on her story. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a really good interview. If you want to keep up with our show, you can, of course, follow us on Twitter. We're at underscore short game, or you can find us on the web at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find a feedback form where you can let us know what you think and a page that lists our upcoming games if we ever bother to update the page. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter. At Nate STL. All right. And thank you so much for joining me uh, for this episode of The Short Game. Hopefully, catch you next week. <laughs>